0: 16. So, how many of you here know you are the spark? All right. And how many of you ha- a flame, uh, have fanned that spark into a flame? A few left hands. Good thing you're here. All right? We need you all to know that you are the spark. Absolutely. You are the spark. You have that divine within you. But listen to me. We need some flames. We need some flames of love and of life and of life transforming this world. So are you ready to learn some things that can help you to be the flame? Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm so glad you're here. This is why you're here today. And uh, we are completing our series. It's been seven, seven Sunday lessons on tending our garden. I can't believe we've come to the harvest today. But before we can get to the harvest, I have to ask how many participated in our spiritual practice last week. And just as a reminder, last week we were talking about the trellis or being that support, finding yourself as that support in community and with one another. So how many of you took on our spiritual practice last week, which was to find a way to engage in community that's new for you, whether it's joining our our prayer call, signing up for a new way of sacred service, meeting somebody you didn't know, giving a word of encouragement to someone. How many of you did that? Okay, I see a few hands. Super. Anybody who did that that wants to share? What would Oh, Mary Anne's like so excited to share. Don't you just love it? Oh, Mary Anne, I'm so excited that your excitement is here. So, you all need to know that you have 12 powers within you, and one of those powers is enthusiasm. And I saw your enthusiasm, Marianne, so I can't wait to hear
1: your aha. Uh (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Um, Last Sunday, when my husband and I was leaving, I walked past the prayer room, and it just like spirit spoke to me, and we went inside, we had prayer, and Lori Grimes, I've known her for many years, and she was a prayer chaplain. But I have to tell you, <laughs> this lady you want to know her because that's the prayer is—a way of connecting. And after having prayer with her, I shared—I um, gave her a little bit of highlight of what you know we wanted to pray about, right? But we parked, i think last week in the um, space of courage, right? Courage And word. So she didn't. She didn't necessarily say in her um, words about courage, but it seems it was so right on. I mean. Spirit was speaking to her, so what I want to say is that what I discovered, I knew of Lori, but now I know her, because this woman, she is real. She's definitely tuned into spirit. She's a woman of love, woman of faith, and Lori, you rock. I love you. Thank you so much.
0: Yay, Lori and our prayer chaplain, and Marianne and Wayne, you know, for taking, having the courage, right, to step into our prayer room. And to pray with one of our prayer chaplains. So thank you for sharing that. All right. Anybody else? Ah, Janet.
1: Yes, I you got to use the mic. mic. Oh, sorry. Um, when we were um, doing the
0: last song, and I looked over at somebody in the thing, and I thought, well, I don't know her. So I went up to her <laughs> after after service, and I introduced myself. And she was from Naples, uh-huh. Florida, and she was from Unity. She was here visiting. So Aww. I... And you welcome to visit our
2: interview.
0: Yay. Thank you, Janet, for having the courage to step out and introduce yourself to someone you don't know. We're gonna be talking about that a little bit today. I wanna share with you because he's not here, uh, but another member who has stepped out with courage to add to this community. So it used to be a couple of years back that I would write a blog every week and I would just kinda highlight some of the things that I talked about on Sunday and After a while, I just let that go. Honestly, I didn't know if you guys were reading it anyway. So, you know, I said, I'm going to just let that one go. Uh, But Greg came to a a meeting a couple of weeks ago wanting to to serve in some way. And the suggestion was made that he is such a fabulous writer and he can collect his thoughts so beautifully. He's so organized. Greg, would you write a blog for us? And Greg said, yes. And so last week was our first one. And so what I love about this is that he's giving a perspective of each Sunday from a congregant, from somebody who's listened to the message and sharing his thoughts about that. So watch out for that because it's coming out every week and read it so we can know Greg can know, you know, you're supporting him and he's supporting you and who knows where that seed will grow. So thank you for those of you who continue to find ways to engage in community in new ways. So we are, to gathering the harvest. And as I've been doing, I wanted to start with, you know, just a little bit of facts around today in our society and the harvest that we bring in. So isn't it amazing that you can go into the grocery store at any time of the year and find strawberries? And avocados. And cucumbers. And bananas. Any time of the year. Because we live in such a world that we are so interconnected with one another. That there is constantly a movement of food across this planet. From countries, some from us, out to other countries, and some from other countries, back into the United States. What a... What an amazing thing that is. I mean, have you just stopped to think about that for a minute, right? So what do you think is the uh, number one produce worldwide that's exported? Bananas. Who said that? Yes, Michael, you're right. It is bananas. I had somebody tell me after last service, well, you know why bananas are the number one product that's being exported? Because we have to feed our monkey mind. I thought that was good. Well, bananas, like all produce, like all fruits and whatnot, they get transported across the globe. Bananas are grown in a tropical region and they're picked green. Has anybody ever gotten a, uh, you know, a bunch of really green bananas and you think, I'm going to set them out on the counter and they're going to ripen and they stay green? Anybody ever had that happen to them? I understand the solution is to put them in a paper bag, so I'm going to try that one now. Uh, But what happens is they pick bananas green, and then they transport them wherever they're going to go, and then there are ripening rooms that the bananas end up. Anybody ever hear of how they ripen bananas? Ethylene gas. Ethylene gas. Once they get into those ripening rooms for 24 hours, the rooms are closed. No one can go in there but those bananas. And they are bombarded with ethylene gas to make them ripen. And yellow. Just something to think about as you're eating that morning banana. Somebody can probably tell us. I don't know that organic bananas they do that with, so I always find mine organic. Because um, I think about that. So we have, again, these practices that, you know, we've gotten used to being able to get these fruits and these vegetables year-round. But I'm still struck with the idea of it's not sustainable practices that we're that we're utilizing, and I just share that with you so you can just join me in knowing that we are moving to a place where we can find sustainable ways to be here on this planet. In the United States, we import 40% of our fruits from other countries, and 30% of our vegetables. Most of the fruits and vegetables that are grown here in the United States are grown in California. Anybody ever drive through Bakersfield, California? When you drive through there, it's miles and miles of fields of agriculture with water being diverted down from the mountains to irrigate those fields as California catches on fire once more. Again, we have these unsustainable practices getting us to the harvest. I hold a vision of an earth where we are finding sustainable ways to be. By the way, I didn't mention this um, before, but do you know what the number one way that they say we can protect Mother Earth to be sustainable? To become vegetarian. For well, those of you who are vegetarian, you're doing your part. Good for you. I'm still uh, holding that. <laughs> you know, how can I do that? But it is the number one way. Because of all of those unsustainable ways that we grow the food to feed the animals to eat the animals, right? But we're talking about gathering the harvest. So I looked up. What do you think, what produce, what plant has the shortest time um, to harvest? You might have it in your garden
2: if you're a gardener.
0: Lettuce is a good choice. Tomatoes, definitely not. Radishes. Radishes. A radish will grow from seed to harvest in as little as a month with the right conditions. And I thought, well, I wonder what's longest. I don't know if this is the longest, but what I found was that when a pecan seedling is planted in the ground, it takes ten or more years for that tree to produce a pecan which got me thinking about how it all depends on what is planted as to how long the harvest will be. And that sometimes the seeds that I've planted and the seeds that you've planted are actually pecan harvests that we're expecting to be radish harvests. You recognize that? You know, like... We plant it one day and we go, come on God, where is it, where is it, I've waited long enough, it must not be happening, I must be doing something wrong, it's not coming, and we abandon the seed. Are you planting a radish harvest or a pecan harvest? It's important to know the difference. Because no matter which the harvest is, it all requires us to do the same thing. It requires us to remember that we have prepared the soil by planting deep roots into the consciousness of our mind with faith on God, the good, the divine mind consciousness, giving us the ideas. We nourish those and water those with prayer, with meditation, with inspirational readings. We connect with one another to get support. And in time, we hope. A harvest will show up. And sometimes we see those harvests, and sometimes we don't. So what kind of a harvest are you planting? What I'm really clear about is that we can have quick harvests. I'm going to share with you a a story from this past week. So I was at conventions this past week. Now, I know that I've said this before, and I know that a lot of you have a hard time believing this, but I am actually an introvert. It's easy for me to stand up here and to share on a Sunday. That's easy. But put me one-on-one in a conversation with someone, and especially someone I don't know, and my anxiety level just skyrockets. Somewhere along the way, I got the idea... That it was up to me to carry a conversation. And so I feel this stress, this anxiety if I meet somebody that I don't know about what am I going to talk with them about and how am I going to keep this conversation going and how am I going to move it beyond the weather? Right? How am I going to deepen it? Which is where I I can sit for hours and talk with Christy about deep, wonderful things but it makes me anxious. So, I used to go to convention with my very dear friend. Her name is also Joanne. And Joanne is 81 or 82 and a couple of years ago was diagnosed with dementia. And so she was no longer able to go to convention with me. And it was easy when Joanne was there. I loved Joanne. We could sit for hours having deep conversation. We would laugh more in that week than I swear I laughed the entire rest of the year. It was fun and it was engaging and I loved convention. And then... Joanne stopped being able to come to conventions, and I found myself kind of feeling anxious, like, now who am I going to connect with? And it's not that I don't know people, but I don't didn't know them to that depth, like I knew Joanne. So last year, most years, when you walk into the convention that first morning, the, the aisles are set up like this in rows, right? There's a certain amount of comfort in sitting in rows like this, right? You could sit way in the back all by yourself and never have to engage with anybody, you know? So I've done that. But last year, I walked into that first session of convention, and wouldn't you know it, they had tables. Round tables. For eight people to sit at. And I walked in the door and went, oh. You can fill that in with whatever words you'd like. And And I felt my anxiety coming up. I felt uncomfortable. I thought, where am I going to sit? Who am I going to sit with? And that anxiety just kind of hung with me for the week. You know, convention felt a little uncomfortable last year. So I went to convention this past week. And now we have this morning prayer call. And on this morning prayer call that we have here at Unity Spiritual Center, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m., how many of you have joined that call in the past, right? Lots of people. One of the things that I invite us into is planting a seed for this day. How are you willing to show up on this day? Claim that for yourself. Today, I am willing to be. Plant that seed. And so as I planted that seed on Tuesday morning, who am I willing to be knowing I was probably going to walk in and find those same tables? But today, I am willing to sit with the uncomfortable. Today, I am willing to sit with the uncomfortable. Now, the convention theme, just like our overarching theme for the year, is one humanity, many stories. And the subtitle of that theme was, If I Knew Your Story, I Couldn't Help But Love You. Now think about that. How many judgments we have about people that are other than us, that we don't know, that we've we've decided who they are, but if I knew your story, I couldn't help but love you. I planted that seed each morning. I, mean, I did it every day. I, need, I needed to remember this. I'm planting the seed. I'm going to embrace the uncomfortable. And I'm going to remember that if I knew your story, I couldn't help but love you. And every day, in the convention itself, at those tables, at lunch, where we needed to find places to sit at breakfast, I'd go down, and I'd think, where am I going to sit? Who am I going to know? I'd go down. I didn't see anybody I'd know, but I'd go up to a table and say, can I join you? And then we'd start this beautiful conversation, because if I knew your story, I couldn't help but love you. And I made all kinds of new friends this week. Why? Because I was willing to plant the seed that I would embrace, the uncomfortable. And throughout the day, I nourished and nurtured that idea as I felt that anxiety rise up again, and I'd take a breath. And go, no, i planted a seed, but I will embrace the uncomfortable today. I had a great conversation the last night at banquet with the woman sitting beside me that I knew from Facebook. So many of these people I know from Facebook. I said, I know you, Jan. We're on Facebook together. And we got into this great conversation because it turns out she's a grandma, too with one grandchild, the same age as my Zoe, and we had this great conversation that first centered us in, if I knew your story, I couldn't help but love you, and then the conversation went from there, just so beautifully and so naturally, because I was willing. So my question for you is, what seed ideas can you plant into your consciousness every day that can Actually, a radish harvest like this was, right? Like I had these great harvests of conversations, or that might take a little bit more practice and become a pecan harvest, but that I know the harvest is coming. And how do I know it's coming? Because I'm doing my work, I'm doing my part. In order for the harvest to happen, I have to do what? I have to remember, I have to pray, I have to meditate, I have to choose when I'm feeling like I don't want to do the work of the harvest. Those of you with gardens, do you ever go, I don't want to go weed again today. But you know in order to get a good harvest, you've got to go out there and weed. So what are we planting? How are we nourishing those seeds? Right. What are we watering them with? What are we feeding them And what are we allowing ourselves to see grow from that harvest? And when we don't see what we think we ought to be seeing, when we don't see yet the fruits of that harvest, are we willing to remember, oh, this must not be a radish harvest. This must be one of those pecan ones. It may take a while. I'm going to keep doing the work anyway. Because I am going to see, as Lori mentioned in our meditation, I am going to see the field full white unto the harvest, even when it's not there in my life. And sometimes, we don't know. We can set a seed, and we can plant that seed, and we can nourish it, and we can water it, and we never know how many other people are going to experience the fruits of that harvest. You know, like all of those fruits traveling globally across the world. Touching all of our lives. So the other thing that I heard this week at convention from two people from the same church, they came up to me and they said, Joanne, we use your prayer process. Now, what prayer process? The Monday through Friday prayer call. They were looking for their next new minister, and I said, well, this is what you have to do as community. You've got to pray together. This is what we did to get the harvest of our beautiful parking lot out there, right? We held a prayer call and that kept going. And so they came up to me and they said, we did that. And we got our minister. They got their harvest. And it came from our harvest. Because I knew to share with them, here is something that works so beautifully for our community. Try it. You know, in this community, we have both radish crops and pecan crops. Three years ago, we did a a project store together with community coming up with ideas of what could we do? What could we plant? What could we grow together? And some of those were quick. You know, like we'd like more silent time. And so the very next day after that project soar, we set time 10 minutes before services to sit with community in the stillness. And many people joined me for that. That was a radish harvest. It started the very next day. Some of them have taken longer. They're still growing. They're still coming to fruition. And so one of the ones that we had, so many people were excited about in that Project SOAR was, let's do some one-and-done things, some things that we could engage in support of our greater community, but that's just a one-time thing, right? And so I want to make sure that everybody knows because we've got one coming up like this. This is one of our probably not quite pecan harvests because I expect these Project SOAR ideas will continue to come to fruition, so it's midterm, maybe a tomato, maybe a tomato harvest. So Marilyn Valkerding was here earlier, she's not here now, has started these one and done things. She support. oh there she is, in the back, here I am. Um, so the Thursday, August 1st, and Saturday, August 3rd, you have two opportunities, a half a day, to give up your time with Unity Spiritual Center, with all of us, to work at the Cleveland Food Bank. So join us. Help us to bring this harvest to fruition. It's one of our Project SOAR ideas. The Community Inreach Team, one of our Project SOAR ideas. Going socializing with one another. Those of you who went out into, into the woods, that was a harvest from our Project SOAR ideas, right? What are you growing? How are you nourishing it? How are you nurturing it? Is it a radish harvest or a pecan harvest? Do you know? And if you find out that it's a pecan harvest, are you willing to stick with it and do all the work that you need to do to bring that harvest into fruition? Well, guess what we have to do to make that happen? Practice. Thank you, Todd. Practice. Practice, practice. So our... Scripture on the back of your bulletin is coming from Galatians chapter five, verses twenty two and twenty three. And it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, the harvest of the Spirit. Right? So what is the fruits of the Spirit? What is that harvest of the Spirit? Well, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, forbearance, or patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness and gentleness and self control. These are the fruits of the Spirit that we are all working to harvest. So if you think about that this week, whatever the fruit of the Spirit, if you are wanting to harvest that place of love and peace and joy and forgiveness and all of that, think about how is that showing up in my life? And then, if in that moment that you've said, I want to harvest love, And that friend or that family member makes you angry and you find yourself in a place of blame and anger and unforgiveness. Can you take a breath and go, you know what, I am not going to harvest love here if I continue to do what I'm doing. So what do I need to do? What tool do I need to bring out? What nurturing do I need to do to bring this back to a harvest of love and then change your mind, take a different action? So that the harvest that you bring about can be the harvest that you're wanting to see. Now, when I lived out in Ashtabula County, I had a huge garden that, quite frankly, was really hard to keep up with. So I grew those tomatoes, but I could never keep up with the tomatoes. And so I'd go out and there'd be all these tomatoes that were rotting down on the ground. You might think, well, there's a wasted harvest. But I was also aware, okay, I I couldn't use those tomatoes. They've fallen. They're rotting now. But what are they going to do? They're going to seed. Anybody ever have a, a volunteer tomato plant come up and all of a sudden, you know, there it is again. Another opportunity for me to grow that back up to harvest. There's no such thing as putting your time and energy into a seed idea, that that doesn't ever come to fruition as long as you keep practicing these tools and these principles and the ideas. If it doesn't look like the harvest you're expecting this time, you don't know where the harvest will come up again somewhere. Can you know that with me? These are ideas to flame that spark inside of you. Because we need the flame burning brightly of love of peace, of joy, of forgiveness, of compassion, of understanding, of possibility. Stand with me in that. Plant those seeds. Nurture them. Water them. And watch them come to fruition. So will you join me in this practice this week? Wow, that was good. There was some enthusiasm there. You know I'm going to check. Two more things that I want to mention. So, We are um, having a harvest, once more, of our giving tree leaves. On On July 7th, we're going to have another dedication of anybody who would like to put up a giving tree leaf on our giving tree out there. It's our fresh harvest of leaves, if you will. And so if anybody would like to participate in that, you need to let us know. There's some forms that are out on that little table as you leave Unity Hall, and you can let us know on there how you would like your leaf engraved and what that costs, and then we'll get those leaves here for July 7th, but we need you to let us know by next Sunday, June 30th. And then the other piece that I brought back from our Unity convention was years ago, Unity started this program called Earth Care Ministry, and different spiritual communities were invited to get Earth Care Ministry certified. And so far in all of these years, they've had 47 ministries complete this process. Yay, but at the same time like what? Only 47? So they put out a challenge to all of us out here in the field to to make that grow by 10 times by next year to have 470 ministries that are a part of this process of becoming earth care certified as a ministry, which means that we all agree to take care of our earth, and and then what do we need to do to do that? So it's a three-level process, and I'm looking for anybody in this community that might be interested in helping me to pursue this for our ministry, and what does that look like for us, and how can we become one of these 470 next year at convention, because we've said yes to that harvest. So either see me or see the concierge desk and have them write down your name and let me know that you want to be a part of that first care ministry. we got our work and we got a harvest. And let's see the harvest
2: together.